You got to check out the show that's called Nick Flanagan Weekly. Hello and welcome to Nick Flanagan Weekly. I'm Nick. This is the show. That's pretty much what I want to tell you off top. It's a show hosted by me. I do a lot of things. I've attempted to live a creative life for a while now. Let's just say it all started in my early childhood, where I had the fortune slash Mitch slash slash Mitch slash misfortune of uh, actually it was all just fortune of uh, being an early playmate of uh, Brandon Cronenberg the son of David Cronenberg, the director, and we would pretend to make films. I'm talking we're four years old, five years old. Then I go over to the Cronenberg residence, and we're watching Creature Features, The Blob, this type of beast from 20,000 fathoms. We're loving it. So thank you, David Cronenberg, and Brandon, who makes movies now, uh, for putting the bug in my ear, and then later on, putting bugs in the film The Fly and Naked Lunch. That was mostly David Crowe. Anyway, so I've been doing this for a while, and then at some point I said, you know what, let's pull the trigger on a podcast, and here I am. Sometimes the podcast is solo, as it is today, and sometimes there is a guest. About once a week, we have a guest. I had all these guests lined up to interview this week, but nobody, uh, but a lot of them fell through. That's okay. Um, Nobody said they were not coming back. They just, various things got in the way. And uh, we are going to put out one episode this Thursday with Tema Smith. I'm really excited for you to hear it. Uh, Happy Valentine's Day. This is being recorded a few days after Valentine's Day. Hilarious. Hilariously titled VD. You know, that's pretty funny. Last year, around this time, I was with uh, Dave Hill. And uh, I was in Montreal doing a show with Dave Hill, my buddy. Uh, This year, I was just doing my thing in Toronto. So fatigued. I don't know what is the deal this year, but there is fatigue happening. Maybe it's aging. Maybe it's Maybelline. Maybe it's medicine. Who knows? I want an answer. Because I'm just like, you put me in that bed, I'm, I'm putting my head on the bed. And that head is staying there. Unless I've set an alarm on my Google Home device, which is also, on top of being something you can set an alarm for, it probably films you sleeping. And of course I got this Google Home device for free because I signed up to Spotify or was a Spotify member at the right time. It's never a good sign, right, when a piece of electronics is just handed to you. It's kind of suspicious, if and you ask me. But I hope your Valentine's Day was just filled with chocolate and lovemaking and uh, mockery of the elite and, uh, you know, just pranks and good times. Because that's all we got in life, good times. And then sometimes pranks are part of that good time. 
I, I did not prank anybody special th this week. My special, our Valentine's Day celebration was like last week. You know, you got to do things a little bit different when you're a bohemian type. We're a bohemian type from the Bahamas. A la the Baja boys who made the song Who Let the Dogs Out. These days, if you were to let the dogs out, they'd probably take the dogs away from you. It's politically correct society. Uh, you know, we went we went to a museum called the Aga Khan Museum in Toronto. It's a Persian, Islamic, South Asian, Muslim, uh, with other religions in there too. There's some Hindu stuff, some Christian stuff, and so even some Jewish stuff. It's a really interesting museum. Beautiful building. Not there's not enough stuff in it and you have to enjoy looking at ceramics to really get a kick out of the place but I was I was in for a day I was up for it to see ancient ceramics but you know if I'd been young and you took me to that museum I'd be pissed I'd, I'd be frankly I'd be pissing everywhere with no respect because plates are boring when, especially when you're a kid. Because you don't know all the things that can go on it. You know, when you're an adult and you see a plate, you're like, you could put lines of drugs on that. That's cool. I love it. Give me the plate. I don't care how old. Oh, imagine, imagine barfing on an old plate. That would be so cool. And, uh, but when you're a kid, you're just like, Plates are for big... Plates are why adults are boring. Kids are all about eating with their hands over nothing. You know what I mean? You pick up the hot dog and you just eat it. Who cares if there's a plate? I barely thought about plates until I was like 11. The only time you care about plates is at a birthday party. You know... When they had the like, paper Empire Strike Back plates and you're like super excited. Okay, boomer. It's kind of, here's a bit of a conspiracy theory. Now this is for deep heads. But now the, the saying, okay, boomer, is a whole thing. What was the name of Mark Marin of WTF with Mark Marin fame? Uh, what was the name of his cat? Boomer. And he'd always go, hey, boomer, I think. Boomer lives. That's what he would say. There's a connection there. What's just really confusing to me is people who are Generation X are now being called boomers. But back in the day, they used to make fun of the boomers. And I was born in 1980. What does that make me? A zzz, an exuma. An exhumer. So, my name is Nick. That was an introduction of some type. I'm happy with it. And, uh, my, yeah, so my Valentine's Day was on the Wednesday. Consisted of going to a cute museum and then going to a thrift store. I, I like going to thrift stores. Uh, looking for old video games. Looking for cool shirts. Flipping them. I don't really flip them, but I, it's like I dream of it, you know? You know when you pick something up and you're like, well, this only costs me five bucks. But if I sell it for... Ten bucks, and I made five bucks. 
You know how you've driven to the place? And you have to mail it? So it seems like you're basically paying yourself like under minimum wage for a sports video game that you're trying to resell? It doesn't make sense. But that's the mind of the vintageer. It's still fun. I like going to those places. It's just like, if only for the like 19 bank marathon shirt t-shirts you'll see in a row. Or, uh, you know, the sayings you'll catch. None of which I can remember, but, you know, it'll be like, may the farts be with you, that type of thing. I started watching, so yeah, Valentine's Day. Love is nice. I hope you had love on Valentine's Day or near Valentine's Day. People hate it. People hate Valentine's Day. I get it, too. It's like pressure to display your affection for someone on the day everybody does so. It's like Christmas for needy people, but not charitable needy, you know? People who need validation. Except that uh, you got to keep giving it. People who need that validation think it's just going to be that one day. It's not. You give them validation one day. It's going to just keep going. Every day you're going to need to validate them. But that being said, compliment your lover every single day. Say, hey, you know, you look good. Hey. Hey, you. Person. Person. You're my person. And I want to tell you, the mustache you've grown for the winter looks wonderful. Every day compliment their mustache. Been watching Fleabag. Great show. Finally catching up on Fleabag. Really an example of how high quality British television can be. Blows the heck out of everybody. All the shows, all the American shows I watch, they're all made by broken, upper-middle-class people. <laughs> you know? It's like every show in America now. It's got to be some twist. Oh, I'll make it a musical. I'm watching, I'm loving the new Curb Your Enthusiasm. But yeah, Fleabag, I don't know, I'm not that long into it. I don't know anything about Phoebe Waller-Bridge particularly. Except that I think she's probably done some voice work in Star Wars movies or something. But, yeah, she's just uh, got a great tone uh, as far as creating the show. It's about how dumb human interaction is, how dumb relationships are. Uh, Brett Gelman's in it, which was a nice surprise. He's so funny. If you've ever seen Love or... Uh, Dinner with Friends, or, you know, all that, uh, or uh, Mad Men, the last few episodes of Mad Men I think he's in. Brett is just such an entertaining actor and comedian, and uh, yeah, no, I'm, I'm looking forward to rolling through Fleabag, and I, I'm embarrassed it took me this long, and uh, yeah, I don't know. So if you're taking your time watching Fleabag, watch it, and we'll talk about it in my chat room. What about if I started a Discord for all of us to talk in. Would people join it? Do I have a f base for this show that uh, cares about things or knows about things like Discord? Because I feel like a big part of my listenership 
such as it is would be relatively tech unsavvy and I'm not sure why that is it's just a vibe I get um So yeah, Fleabag's good. New Curb Your Enthusiasm, dumb as hell, but I'm loving it. I don't know. Couldn't really even start with the other season. Uh, the one before it where there was like a fat wall on, on Larry David. It just felt, I didn't really want it. And now this season, you know, it's all about all of the dumb things that, you know, 70-year-old Jewish guys worried about, like, health care for all. <laughs> no, like, uh, um, you know, Me Too groups and, you know, whatever. Stressing out other people, arguing with other people, but it's funny and it's silly and I'm into it. It feels like it's out of love. Love permeates the entirety of Career Enthusiasm this season. Not to say it's like genius this year, or I don't even know what genius is in the context of television particularly, but uh, I am enjoying it, and I'd love to know if you are, too. There was an episode I wasn't crazy about. Try to guess which one it was. And that's my take on Curb Your Enthusiasm 2020. If there was anyone else in this room, we'd be having a conversation about it. There's nobody else in the room. So I'm just telling you how I feel, and we're moving on. Or should I stay on it? No! I should move on. I was also thinking something, you know? I think sometimes. I vibe it up in my brain, shake the brain around. You ever see that horror movie, Shocker, by Wes Craven? Covers like this guy in an electric chair going, zap. That's what I do. And then I start thinking, and I, I was thinking, I electrocute myself, and then I brainstorm. And I was thinking about <sighs> victimhood and what that is, what that means, um, the paradox of getting out of it. Because so many people, like right now, there's this massive thing in Canada protesting governmental uh, what would you call it governmental circumvention of indigenous rights in order to do a private pipeline deal through native lands that were never ceded to Canada I uh, it seems like a lot of people are sympathetic to it I mean this is a serious protest uh, it's all over the country the trains have been shut down in some parts of the of Canada. It's a big deal. And it just, you know, a lot of it has to do with agreement. With uh, not just this situation, but whatever. Native people, you know, whatever bullshit, insanity, horrors the Native people have been put through. You know, and, and this, this goes in a lot of ways. W uh, women's rights, uh, civil rights, all that stuff. Um, the Me Too movement, and there's always pushback. I don't know, sometimes it's small majority, sometimes it's minority. I feel like with the sexual assault stuff and the Me Too movement, the pushback was major. Um, because it was 
immediately intertwined with like the narrative of that year, which was cancel culture, all that stuff. But I think a jet plane is going above me. This might be. It's probably surveying me because I'm saying wrong think. Echoes of 1984 by George Orwell? Perhaps. So. It's people who are finally able to band together and say, we, or our culture, or our friends, or those we support, have been victimized. And we want the system that allows for this to change. A lot of the time, that's what, what this stuff is. And then the pushback is always like, let's say someone's saying they had a, a crime committed on them, and they didn't report it. Someone goes, well, why weren't you able to report it? You know, why didn't, why didn't you do it? Why is police stations next door? Live next to a police station. Why don't you just walk over? File a report. And it's like, first of all, people hate cops. I don't want to deal with cops. My friend is dealing with some stalker situation right now. It's awful. You know? Cops can't help. Half the time, they hurt. And I'm not saying this is an anti-police person. It's just like, they can't do shit. Think about it. What the fuck are they gonna, what are they gonna do? What are they gonna do? You go over to them, oh, this happened. They'll go, well, can you write down what happened? We'll take a look. You know, it's a whole thing. And on top of that, you know, it's not about, when, once you're out there to the public saying something happened, it's not about, what you could have done in the past, it's that you're doing it now. So it's the paradox of, of victimhood, is what I'm trying to say. What's happening is, because you are strong enough at some point to put yourself out there and say, this happened and I don't want it to happen again to other people, people will come at you, you know, angry. Basically seeing that you're strong now, but you were saying that you are weak once. Why should we believe that you are weak if you're strong enough to do this now? The victim paradox. Don't know what any of that means. All I know is I'm well-rested. I'm well-versed. And I'm going to read some viewer mail, listener mail now from Adam. This is a message Adam sent me. I'm going to read it. I'm going to answer some questions that were in it. Scene. Wednesday morning. The birds ain't chirping outside my window because it's February. I like to round up. He wrote this at the end of January. I'm finally getting around to reading it almost two, over two weeks later. But the recycling bins are up and rolling and getting emptied. Ah, nature. I'm writing to discuss two recent documentaries I watched streaming. Stiv and Quiet Riot. Well, now you're here. There's no way back. Can't say I'm much of a fan of either. Really? Not a fan of uh, Sonic Reducer? You're not a fan of the cover of Come On, Feel the Noise? Uh, 
though I guess both kind of differ in terms of how cool they're considered now. It was interesting to see how the similarities between the two were. Both became popular on account of songs they didn't write, stuck around for longer than you thought they would have. Both featured singers who liked to moon people. Anyway, how questions. Quiet Ryan doesn't have any of its original members. What are your thoughts on bands whose whole lineups have changed? Is this permissible? I think it should be encouraged, personally. Great question, Adam. Do I think... What are my thoughts on bands whose whole lineups have changed? I find it fascinating, uh, you know, to keep the fire alive that way. Um, I think there are certain bands where that's, like, harder to pull off. Like, a ween tour where one of those guys isn't there is basically, like, there's no ween. Uh, Rush broke up after Neil Peart died. He was a lyricist. I get that. Joey Kramer from Aerosmith, I just found out, had basically broken his hand or something in a car accident and then was, like, sort of pushed out of Aerosmith after that and wasn't playing with them on the, for the Grammys Award, they were, Lifetime Award they got. And Joey Kramer has been in the band since they were teenagers. Like, he is an original member and a very old friend of, uh, if not Joe Perry, at least, you know, um, Sexy Steven Tyler of the long hair and, the, you know, open-toe shoes, most likely, as often as he can, can wear them. I think he once acquired guardianship of a teen groupie in order to travel with them. Steven Tyler is an old friend of Joey Kramer's. And the fact that this happens is just a testament to the dysfunctional aspect of being in a band with people you've been in a band with the whole time. You can't get out of the patterns. You can't get out of the habits. You gotta take a break or let it go. In the case of Joey Kramer, he actually sued the band and yet also was brought back into the band but had to audition again. Just, I was reading all about this. John Daly of Curb Your Enthusiasm actually retweeted it the other day, and I noticed that info. And, uh, yeah. Um, so, yeah, uh, you can have a completely different lineup. It probably is better for creating a dynamic. I'm trying to think of another band. Uh, Credence, Clearwater had that, where John Fogarty had nothing to do with the band. Leonard Skinner, there's, like, no band... As far as I understand, uh, I saw Alice in Chains, different singer. But, you know, secretly Jerry Cantrell's basically the only one you need in Alice in Chains for that snaky guitar sound. Uh, who else? I mean, you know, Rolling Stones, like, there is an element of... Nobody in the Rolling Stones really needs to be in the Rolling Stones anymore. You know, like, if you just put up a super group of some younger people, like, if you're like, John Mayer, uh, um, Fa <laughs> Fabrizio Moretti, is he the drummer of the Stokes? Strokes? John Mayer, drummer from the Strokes, um, Ed Sheeran, Les Claypool, and you were like, this, and, uh, Buckethead, this is the new Rolling Stones, that would probably be better if they were just the touring Rolling Stones. So, yeah, I say we should actually, for the next decade, just do a copyright-free decade and just have people performing 
as whatever band they want to be. Just completely non-original lineups. Not cover bands. They're presented as the band, but they're not the original lineup. Like when the Zombies were out in um, the 60s, before they came to tour America, there were, but they had albums out, people were touring as the Zombies. I think ZZ Top, Billy Gibbons, was in one of those bands. Just a fun fact. And then, here's another question from Adam. Was Stiv Bator's any good? Now, if you're listening to this and you're not a punk freak, Stiv Bator's was the singer in the band The Dead Boys. And their album Young, Loud, and Snotty was one of their uh, big, big things. And their big song was called Sonic Reducer. Now... I thought it was, so I want to find out if Sonic Reducer was a cover. Because Adam here says that uh, it was. Their big song was a cover. So, to me, Sonic Reducer, Reducer is their big song. Let's find out. Dead Boys, Sonic Reducer, by Rocket from the Tombs. That's right. Right, it was this Rocket from the Tomb song. So technically, it's not the Dead Boys. Cheetah Chrome, who was in Dead Boys, did co-write the song. David Thomas, I think, died, who is the other one who wrote it. No, he's still alive. Uh, David Thomas is the guy from Perubu. Oh my god, who I think I met. That's crazy. Um... Sonic Reducer is an amazing song. I'll be honest with you, I don't know like any other Dead Boys songs. You know? I, I get the vibe. An important part of Toronto punk rock lore is that the drummer was, uh, of, of, of Sonic Reducer was like stabbed, had the hell stabbed out of him uh, in, in uh, Toronto. And, and he was like living here. I think I might... So here are the songs on Young, Loud, and Snotty. All This and More, What Love Is, Not Anymore, Ain't Nothing to Do, Caught with the Meat in Your Mouth, Ugh. Hey Little Girl, I Need Lunch, High Tension Wire, Down in Flames, Johnny Blitz, that was the drummer. And he lived in Toronto and was had the, sh he had the hell stabbed out of him. In New York. And then he wound up in, uh, in Toronto. Uh, with his wife at the time, who's a member of the B-Girls, uh, old Toronto punk band that I have opened up with with comedy. So yeah, Dead Boys, I mean, look, I love... I'm. Oh, did you know Johnny Blitz, was uh, the drummer of Dead Boys, was stabbed uh, two years to the day before I was born, on April 19th, 1978. Uh, life's crazy. Yeah, so... Dead Boys, Stiv Bader's. You're not even asking about Dead Boys. Was Stiv Bader's any good? No, I don't think so. Maybe he was just like a punk singer guy. None of us are any good. And what makes a good music doc? That's a great question. I mean, I think it, a lot of it has to do with the the uh, um, subject. Uh, whether or not... And then it has to do whether or not they collaborate on it. Uh, whether they're comfortable 
with the filmmaker. And then, of course, the filmmaker needs to basically not have that many people who don't know the person in it. So, like, Dave Grohl, you don't actually need to have him in the thing, because why is he there? You know, yeah, he's a fan. There's lots of fans. I'm sick of fans. You know, stop having celebrity fans. Have, like, normal people fans of, of the bands in a music doc. I like the one where it's just, like, a shot of a, a person getting ready, you know? Like, my friend once told me about a music documentary he, he wanted to make, and uh, he just described it so cinematically, and it was about, you know, one of these uh, musicians just, just getting ready, putting on their makeup, getting ready. I love it. I think prep, how we prepare, if we prepare, uh, goes a lot into what makes people interesting. So getting into process, I think, as long as the process is interesting, is, is really good. Um, a level of openness like front and collaboration from the group. So you see what they're really like is good. Because a lot of music documentaries wind up being a bit like Idi Amin Dada, which is a documentary by Babette Schroeder, who directed... Um, no, Milo... Yeah, who directed Barfly. He did a documentary about Idi Amin the president of Congo, who is a war criminal and a crazy guy. And it was made with the caveat that Idi Amin had final cut. But it didn't matter, because when you're seeing the editing choices of a deranged world leader, you are getting, you know, uh, a look into their mind. Uh, I think Some Kind of Monster by Metallica kind of falls into that category. And uh, I'm just, I watched a Toots in the Maytals BBC documentary that was just, it was just great because it did actually have the fans in it. And those weren't like the most important things because that guy Toots is very interesting. He's just such an incredible spirit and he's still doing the same thing. And his songs are so fun. Uh, and that was just straightforward. Like a straightforward take on a person who is Christian, loves music and let's show what he does, you know? It doesn't with the Dead Moon documentary about the band Dead Moon there's a lot of live footage because that's even though the story of that band, which is about a guy who is basically like a white Stevie Wonder child prodigy, went on to form band after band, married a woman moved to the Arctic pressed their own albums on their own like they, you know, they, they just were the ultimate DIY band. That's in it. But then you see the live show, which is just where it shines. So I think letting live performance breathe is amazing in a music documentary. Our great archival footage is key. Um, never before seen stuff is key. No Dave Grohl is key. So Adam, I hope I've answered your question. Well, folks, looks like <laughs> I've been talking for almost a half hour now, so I'm good. And uh, I'm really glad to be starting this week off. It's a holiday called Family Day today in Ontario. And uh, I spent it with uh, one member of my family and another member of my heart's family. But, um, yeah. 
So I'm hoping I do a bunch of episodes this week. We'll see if I pull it off. But let me know what you think is a, a music documentary you like. If you have any questions for me, I'd love to talk about them and answer them. Uh, if you have thoughts on Quiet Riot, any of those, weekly podcast, W-E-A-K-L-Y podcast at gmail.com. We'll give you all the answers. I'm going to put some show dates up at theflans.com pretty soon. And you can donate or support the podcast, become a monthly supporter, get some bonus content. Patreon.com slash Nick Flanagan or ko-fi.com slash Nick Flanagan. Kofi.com. They let you do commissions on Kofi, so ask me to make something for you. I will. Be real with yourself this week, but be kind to yourself as well. All right, peace out. Peace to the gods. Peace on earth. Flanagan Weekly Nick Flanagan Weekly